Welcome to the Clubhouse with Shane Bacon. I'm your host, Shane Bacon. This week's episode with Mike Breen is brought to you, of course, by Ogio. And as winter fast approaches and the snow starts to fall, you'll be winning to get the heck out of where you live and travel somewhere that's warm and overseeded, maybe Arizona. And you'll need a solid travel bag to ensure your golf clubs are safe. Ogio has you covered. The Mutant Travel Bag is everything you want and more in travel. It's got oversized wheels to make rolling easier. Huge padded compartment to embrace those golf clubs of yours. A reinforced base, two very large, large enough for a couple shoes each. Pockets for your golf shoes and your gym shoes. The Mutant is the perfect travel companion for any golfer. And good news, if you use the offer code THECLUBHOUSE, no spaces at checkout, you will save 20% right off the top. If only you could shave strokes easier on your handicap. Check the Mutant Travel Bag and so much more at ogio.com. And of course, there's golf happening. You saw Pat Perez win last week. We've got a little bit of, a, of golf in South Korea this week. Justin Thomas playing again, as is some of the other names. Jason Day's there. Adam Scott is there. Xander continues to impress as well. But uh, NBA season got going. I thought it'd be fun to have a guy on that calls NBA for a living, but also is obsessed with golf. And as you'll hear in the interview with Mike, he does love the game, and he talks a lot of golf with NBA players and coaches and people around the sport. Golf continues to expand amongst athletes, and you'll hear it throughout the interview, of course, with Mike. A lot of fun. Just a reminder, if you haven't signed up for our Clubhouse newsletter, you can do that at the Clubhouse pod. That's our Twitter account. There's a link right there pinned atop the page. I tried to make it as easy as possible for you. Go to that link, sign up for the newsletter. It hits your inboxes on Mondays and Wednesdays. It's a place to get all your golf news, odds, video of the day, picture of the day, TV times, if you don't want to look it up on your guide, really everything. I've just tried to put all of the information that I would want in one email newsletter, all in that on Mondays and Wednesdays. So hopefully you sign up for that and tell a friend. Tell a friend, hey, listen, there's a great newsletter out there that you should get, and it's about golf. And sometimes it has a different banner that my mother makes. That's true. She actually photoshops all my banners. That's important stuff. So check that out at the Clubhouse Pod, the Twitter account. You can sign up at the link pinned right there atop the page. Hopefully you like it. If you do, tell some people about it. A couple more things. I've got koozies available. I'm sending some out this week, and I'll send some out in a couple of weeks as well. So if you're a fan of the pod, send me a message. Maybe I'll send you one. I also got a roll of about 500 Clubhouse stickers. So if you're a guy that wants to put them on your water bottle, if you're a gal that likes to put stuff on your laptop or on your travel bag or on your push cart, it's push cart season, by the way. If that is your style, just send me a DM or a tweet or an email or an Instagram, anything like that, and just let me know, and I will, uh, I will send a couple stickers out your way for free. You don't even have to do anything. You just have to be a person that has an address, and bam, you will get a sticker. Okay, that will do it for me. I hope you enjoy this chat. It was a lot of fun. I kind of stumped Mike at the end with a little bit of a name this player NBA equivalent in PGA Tour golf, but he had some fun. He actually told me after he's going to now make a list, send them to me occasionally so I can tweet them out. Hope you enjoy the chat. Here we go. Mike Breen. And we welcome Mike into the clubhouse, play-by-play man for the NBA on ABC ESPN. You can listen to him this afternoon, this evening, Sixers Wizards, 7 p.m. Eastern, on ESPN. And, and Mike, this is your 26th season calling the NBA. Is that right? (laughs) Yeah, it's hard to believe, Shane, but yeah, 26 years already. So the hair keeps getting grayer and whiter, uh, but I'm still having as much fun as when I started. Well, I can only assume 
that the dirt residue on your golf clubs will now be on those golf clubs for some two, three, four months because you're one of those guys, you've told me this in the past, you put the clubs away when, when the NBA season ramps up and kicks off. And unfortunately, they moved the season up this year a couple of weeks, which was great for the league and for the players to you know, expand the schedule a little bit so they weren't playing as many of those four games and five nights. <clears throat> but it's, it's one of the sadder days of my year when I come in from the final round of the fall bring the clubs down to the basement and put them down there. It's, 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 an emotion, it's, a, it's an emotional day. Yeah, you separate from the clubs. How often are you getting to play? I mean, the NBA offseason, as you mentioned, I mean, it's not super long now. I mean, it's no, you know, it's no golf offseason, which doesn't really happen anymore. But, I mean, are you getting out a couple times a week when the NBA wraps up, when the finals are done? Oh, absolutely. From, from the day of the final, I usually try and play the very, very next day to get going. Uh, I'll play three times a week for sure, uh, from mid-June till uh, till October. So I get my share of rounds in for sure. And uh, you know, you mentioned you don't play a ton on the road. I know that you said that you know when I, I played with you a few years back, and you told me that you'll you'll have cities that you will go play golf. You'll bring your clubs. What are the cities where you you're thinking to yourself, I've got to make sure I pack the sticks because I'm probably going to get in around a golf on this trip. Well, a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, if you have friends in the city or obviously the weather. So Orlando and Miami, um, Miami's more difficult. Orlando, I've got a good buddy named Randy Koppelman who, uh, who I play golf with down in Orlando. So uh, I try and bring him down there. Obviously, L.A., um, there's a couple of different places. Uh, I've got to know some friends in San Francisco. Uh, there's some great courses out there. Uh, every once in a while in Dallas, uh, I've got another buddy named Joe Palladino in Dallas who I'll play with. So um, a lot depends on how easy it is. The thing, the thing, Shane, is that it, you know, with the NBA, it's different uh, from uh, from baseball in that it's you're in and out. So really, not a lot of time. The best time for me, believe it or not, is is sometimes during the playoffs, because if you're in the city for say games three and four, you're in the city for four days and you have a day off in between games. So sometimes I get to do it that time. But as I've gotten older and uh, my love of, of golf has increased, I'm trying, uh, I'm trying to find ways to say, okay, I can probably get in around there. I can get in around there. Uh, but it is still hard because it, it, there really is still a lot of preparation to go in, uh, in into each telecast. Yeah, I mean, are you a guy that now you mentioned your, your love of golf kind of extending as you get a little bit older? Are you one of those guys that says – well, you know, I'm in. I, I'm, I'm doing a game in L.A. I need to go play Bel Air. I've never played Bel Air before. I mean, are you a guy that kind of ticks those courses off your list, knowing that there's so many out there that are considered great or historic or a top 100 course? Yeah, that, that's – you know what, Shane? And you know this as well as anybody. That's the beauty of it in that, you know, there are so many great courses everywhere. And some of them are the other known ones. And every once in a while somebody tells you about a course you've never heard of and you go play it. And it's uh, it's off the charts, and you fall in love with it. So, um, as the other thing for me too is, I'm, I'm a father of three, and now my kids are older. So instead of, you know, rushing back um, to be with the kids at a short road trip, sometimes I'll stay over in a city and play that morning before I fly home, or we fly in the day before. And now, because the kids are out of the house, my wife comes on trips with me as well. So. 
Um, so as I've gotten older, the chance to play is a little uh, a little easier. So what you're telling me is once I have kids in the next couple of years, I'm not going to play golf ever again? Is that kind of the deal? Like I, that I won't like... say ever again, but, <laughs> but the amount of rounds. I, I have a couple of good friends who, who recently, or they're right smack in the middle of, of raising children, you know, whether it's like 8, 9, and 10. And I said to them, believe me, and they complain about they can't play. And not complain, but realize they can't. I say, yeah, we've all been there. It's, you know, you go through stretches where it's it's really hard to get in around. But um, that's one of the one of the good things about getting older, I suppose, is there's more <laughs> to, chance to play golf. You get golf. to tee it up. Well, we'll, you know, ABC ESPN had the Open Championship for a lengthy amount of time. Did you ever consider getting into the golf side of broadcasting? Was that ever something you, I mean, you, you love the game. Was that ever something that you talked about or thought about doing? You know, I came, I came close. I can't remember the year, but um, when NBC, uh, I worked at NBC for, for a number of years. I did the NBA and some NFL, and, and I did a bunch of Olympics for them as well. And uh, they were just the best to work for, and Dick Ebersol was, was so good to me, and when um, when Dick Enberg left NBC and they moved Dan Hicks up, uh, they needed another golf announcer. And, you know, I, I don't think they, they officially offered it to me, but they approached me about my interest. And obviously I was interested. It would have been wonderful. But at that point, my kids were, were still pretty young. And to take on golf in addition to uh, to the NBA would have meant I would have never been home. And as much as I would have loved to have, have, have uh, even inquired and maybe thought about doing it, it, it wouldn't wouldn't have been the right thing to do, and I, I just would have been away from my wife and kids too much. So, so I said no, and and uh, you know it's it's one of those bucket list things I'd love to do, but because the NBA schedule is so intense during the year, I need my time off in the summer. And plus, there are many more better golf commentators than I, so I enjoy watching from home. Well, yeah, I was going to ask, how much viewing are you getting in? I mean, are you a guy that the NBA season ends and you're checked out? I mean, I'm sure you keep up with what's happening. Are you, are you, are you watching a lot of golf events on the weekend? Are you watching some baseball? What's your kind of sports viewing schedule once your broadcasting duties end? Oh, it's, it's you know, when, when, you're, when you're doing games all year long and you're constantly preparing and you're, and you're on the air, when the season ends, it's so much fun to sit back and watch other people work hard. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a crazy Met fan, so I, I love to watch the Mets. But I watch uh, every weekend I'm watching the golf tournament, and frequently um, the golf channel is one of my favorites. I love the instructional stuff. I love the debate stuff. Uh, I love the tournaments. I love watching tournaments from all over the world. Um, I'll even watch the um, – uh, the web tournaments and it's 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 an addiction that uh, just to watch people uh, other people play other people talk to you about golf it's I want I don't know if it's the first channel I turn on but it's on every night at least check and see what's on it well you're not the only guy that's caught the golf bug in the NBA world I mean it seems as though the last five ten years it's really become an obsession with some of the guys on the court I mean Steph Curry famously plays loves playing is playing in those web events You've got Kent Bazemore, who I think I've seen Kent Bazemore out at golf events more than I see some of my camera guys. I mean, he is out there almost every single week. He's become obsessed. Andre Iguodala is a guy that loves the game. Do you feel like golf is becoming the, – the players in the NBA are kind of more attached to golf, or has this always been a thing? No, I, for some reason I think there's been an increase in uh, the amount of guys that are playing. Um, those guys that you mentioned, uh, Iguodala and, and obviously Steph Curry – uh, J.R. Smith's another one. When I see them, when I'm doing a game for them, 
the first thing I always ask them is, how's the game? How's the short game? What's the <laughs> handicap? Where have you played recently? Um, that's the first That's the first conversation we have before basketball because everybody's all addicted to it. And, and one time I even asked, um, I was doing a sit-down interview with Steph Curry, and I asked him, I said, on you know, on, on off nights, are you watching other players? Are you watching other what do you like? And he says, no. He says, I watch the Golf Channel. So I knew I knew he had that addiction. And it seems that more and more guys are playing every year. Yeah, I had I had Andre Godala on the podcast a few months back, and uh, it was before obviously they won the championship. And you know they, uh, you know Andre and, and Steve Kerr and and Curry went to Augusta National as kind of their their celebration to themselves after they won the first championship. And I asked him, I said, what's the what's the stop if you guys do it this year? And he kind of had about a three second pause and he went. Well, we're going to go back to Augusta, of course. It was like a silly question of mine to ask, you know, why he was like, why else would we do this? How will we change a good thing? Let's just go back to where the Masters is. Well, I, um, the first time I played golf with an NBA player was Dan Marley. Do you remember Dan Marley? For sure, yeah. yeah. I, I live in Phoenix. Yeah, Thunder Dan was a great player for Phoenix and uh, with the Miami Heat, and now he's doing a great job. He's coaching Grand Canyon, and he was just a tremendous athlete. And I was in Phoenix one time, he – he took me out to play, and, and, and Dan was just, uh, he's so much fun to play with, but he was so good, and he taunted and and just <laughs> was in your face and wanted to win. So we went out and played, and so he birdies the first three holes. He was that good. And then on the fourth hole, I think it was a par four, he hits his approach shot over the green, and my only solace is I'm getting whacked. I'm already down 3-0, is that, his birdie streak comes to an end. So, of course, now I've given it back to him. I'm like, well, I guess you're not going to birdie every hole, Dan. Just anything to, to say to him to get him <laughs> off my back. What do you think he does? He chips it in from off the green no. for his fourth birdie in a row. He laughs so hard that he could barely finish his round. I, I think he, I know he didn't have any more birdies after that, but it was such a funny moment to him. And it showed me that, you know, these basketball players, some of them are just tremendous. Um, their obviously their hand-eye coordination and their athleticism, but he was just he was a magnificent player, and I've been fortunate to play with a bunch of other guys as well, and some of them are just so good, and they're so addicted to it, like we all are. Well, so how does that conversation start? So you you approach a player and say, hey, do you want to tee it up? Do they come up to you and and do it? I mean, are you are you weary at times to do that or to not do that, or is it just something that's that's a nice way to kind of get to know these guys that are on the court that you're calling for the entire season? You know what? It's um, I've been doing it long enough where you, you establish relationships so you know guys well enough, um, and certain guys, that's like, just go up, hey, what's your handicap, or tell me the best place you played recently. Um, you know, during the season, it's, it's rare you get to play with – with any of them but it's um it is it's an easy conversation and you're always looking in my business you know you want to try and establish a rapport and a relationship and these guys are so sick of talking about basketball all the right. time i mean for me to go up to them ask them hey what's up with your defense lately you know they they have shoot arounds in the morning where they talk to the media they have before and after games where they talk to the media so they get kind of sick and tired of talking basketball so when they get a chance to talk about anything other than basketball it's like their eyes light up. They want to talk. They'll talk to you for 20 minutes, whereas if you're asking them basketball questions all the time, they're just, you know, it's it's like anything. They just get they get tired of doing the same thing. Well, I'm assuming the answer might be Dan Marley, but who is the best golfer that's an NBA player that you've ever played with? Um, Dan's going to be mad me saying this, but but I did get a chance to play with, with Steph Curry this summer, and he is um, – 
it's phenomenal how good he is. Uh, his length and his short game, his putting, a little bit of everything. Um, yeah, he, he's really good. I played with him and his dad, and his dad, Dell, who was, a, who was an excellent player as well uh, in the NBA, is, is so good uh, as a golfer as well. And you can see, like, if I think if, if Steph gave up basketball and just concentrated on practicing, because he doesn't practice much, and he doesn't play a heck of a lot either, if he got a chance to um, to really work, to, to me there's no question he could be a pro. I know I don't mean that to be insulting to the PGA guys who are phenomenal at what they do, and we all know there's so many good guys who don't make the PGA tour, and they're they're just a just a step those guys. But I think Steph has that kind of uh, that kind of talent and ability. Was this before or after he played in the Web event when you played with him? It was after. Okay. Did did he say he was? Did he say he spent more time preparing? I mean, you, you say he doesn't practice a lot. Did he spend a lot of time as he was getting closer and closer to that to prepare? Because him going out and doing what he did in those two rounds. I mean, he missed the cut, sure, but not embarrassing yourself on the golf course in a completely different atmosphere was extremely impressive to you know me and really everybody in the golf community. What he did. Did he say he spent more time preparing? Did he say he spent a month or? Six weeks or something like that, getting his game. Refined. You know what? He he, he, didn't, he didn't get into that. Um, he just, you know, he, he said that he was obviously nervous, but it just, um, you know, he has unbelievable respect for professional golfers, and he said after doing that, it just, you know, the the respect increased um, because you see, you know, it's so different. I mean, we we all think we can play well at our own levels, um, even on tough. Uh, tough courses, but then when you go out there in that setting, when the courses are really made up to make it so difficult, and and everybody is good, and you have pressure on every shot because you know, you know, everybody's going to be putting on great scores. I mean, you're 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 respectful what these guys do week in and week out, have to perform and have to grind and have to focus. Um, anybody who's ever played the game of golf would would just be blown away by by the ability to do that every week. And uh, I think every golfer should get a chance to play in you know, some kind of tournament like that because it just shows you how great these, these professional golfers are. Well, I wanted to switch over to NBA for a bit. Tuesday night uh, obviously was opening night, and, I mean, everybody was extremely fired up for the start of the season. And then, of course, the Gordon Hayward thing happens, what, six minutes into the game. Can you remember a more somber start to an NBA season considering the hype and all the teams changing, players moving around? Can you can you remember a moment like this happening to start off an NBA season? Yeah, you know, there's unfortunately Shane over the course of the the years I've been doing it, there, there's always seems to be one or two injuries on open. Uh, but this one, for some reason, uh, was like a punch to the gut. I, I was really sick to my stomach. I was so fired up. Uh, I, I was in. I, I had an early dinner, so I got back to my hotel in, in Washington D.C. and I was prepared to sit there for the next you know, f- five hours and watch NBA basketball. And then when this happened, it was, um, it just completely, it, it, it threw out your, your excitement and enthusiasm because you just fell for this young man who is one of the, one of the all time gentlemen that I've covered in the NBA. And he was so fired up for this season, you know, because it's, it's a prominent player on a prominent team that had, you know, high expectations uh, people talking about the rivalry now between the Celtics and the and the uh, Cavaliers. It just everything in terms of the storyline was this was this perfect setup, 
and to see it dashed on something like that and such a gruesome injury, um, it, it really was heartbreaking. You know, it's, 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 it's part of the game, and uh, we all know that the injuries have the possibility to happen, but it doesn't make it any easier when they do. And, you know, I'm just I'm praying for, for good news today that, that, you know, although it's obviously a very serious injury, that maybe it was a clean break and they're going to be able to – get him back as good as new as as uh, as he was it might, might take some time obviously it's going to take some time but it was it was such a punch to the gut if you're calling that game and this happens so early in how, how tough is it for you to transition the team back into the actual game on the court knowing that every headline every storyline following this game and and literally all the talk on social media is going to be about the Hayward moment and that's it how, how tough is it to get it back to actually play on the court because I think you see it in the players' faces as well that it's tough to get back into the game. Yeah, you know, Shane, that's a great question, and uh, and you have to fight find the right right tone. You know, personally, you feel you feel horrible because in many instances you know the player and you know uh, people in the organization and what this means to them and to the organization and most importantly to the player. Um, but you have to put that aside. You know, you. You can't come right out, you know, as soon as he's off the court and they wheel him off, you can't come right out and, and start hooting and hollering about the next play. I mean, because the, you just you feel this, this pall that has come over the entire arena, and I, and I thought I could, I could feel that last night watching the game. And I thought um, Kevin Harlan and Reggie Miller, the guys who called the game last night for TNT, they, they did such a good job of that. But at the same time, you know, there are the other players on the court and the game still means a lot, and, and obviously the Celtics knew, okay, yeah, we just lost somebody, and, and this really hurts, but the way they fought back and took the lead. So, you know, you have to get back and be professional and call the game, but at the same time, it, it is, as you said, it's it's still the number one story that came out, so, you know, you have to go back to it and refer to it on occasion because there are people who are tuning in who, who perhaps were unaware or didn't see it, or heard about it and now tuning in. So you have to balance that. And, you know, you just try and hope you find the right balance. I thought the guys that did the game last night uh, were, had the perfect balance. Yeah, and, and, and on, on to kind of piggyback on that, one of the things that I've noticed the last few years with these types of injuries, and in golf we don't really deal with this. You know, normally you're not going to see a guy have some awful injury in golf. Maybe they tweak the wrist. But something like what happened last night, how much input does the booth have? Do, do you three guys – have in replays and, and showing that because as you said you want to reference it and you want to go back to the big story that's going to come out of the game but one of the things I've seen with social media lately is there's as many people saying you know don't show the replay don't show the replay as there is people talking about what just happened so do you guys have input in that like hey let's not show it it's gruesome maybe we can do it in the highlight show later yeah again another good question Shane the the um you know, the producer is talking to you in your ear the whole time. So pretty much every decision you make is, is a team decision, and you talk it over, whether it's um, uh, playing a sound bite, putting up a graphic, or playing a replay like something like that. And, and a lot depends on uh, on just the severity of the how graphic the injury is. But I, f I believe that it's something it, – you know, it's a story in the game. It's a visual medium, and I believe that you do have a responsibility to show it. Now, if it's so graphic that you have to turn away, then, then you make the decision not to. Or at the very least, you preface it and say, hey, listen, we don't want to 
overdo this, uh, but we feel it's it's important. It's the number one story to the game that we're broadcasting. So you, you, you the people know we're going to show you a video right now that can be a little graphic, and, and for those who are squeamish uh, might might not want to watch. So as long as you present it that way and give people the option to turn away prior to do it, um, I do think there's a responsibility to show it. Again, you don't overdo it. Um, you know, you'll play it obviously after the play happens, maybe later on at the end when you're doing a summary, or for example, they did it at halftime last night and Ernie Johnson prefaced it by saying, you know, this is pretty gruesome. So you might not, for those who don't like to look at these things, turn away. Um, but I think it's, it's, uh, it's a responsibility to, to at least play it and let people know what happened. Well, I've mentioned it a couple of times. I've mentioned social media a couple of times. You're not a social media guy. Did you ever give it a go? Were you ever like, I got to get into this Twitter thing and, and Instagram, or was that just a world that you're not familiar with? No, you know, I'm very much into Twitter, Shane. In fact, um, a, a huge portion of my NBA preparation is, is on Twitter uh, because I follow probably about 40, 45 either writers or broadcasters uh, who tweet regular, uh, who, who, you know, post their articles online. So I'm reading Twitter all the time uh, for my NBA coverage, and I obviously have a Twitter account, but I just don't tweet myself. Uh, but it's a uh, <laughs> you're a ghost it's an Twitter unbelievable guy. resource. Yeah, you're you're a sneaky ghost guy. You just kind of you kind of look at it from afar, right? Yeah, that's the way. I mean, I'm old, I'm an old dinosaur, so, <laughs> so tweeting is not my thing, but. Uh, I'm also I'm not an idiot, and I realize the value of Twitter in terms of coverage and up to dates and and the things that you can get off that, and quite frankly, a lot of humor as well. So um, to me, it's a real valuable resource. All right, last thing, and then I'll let you go. I know you got to get prepped for the game tonight. I'm going to give you some golfers' names, and I want you to give me the current NBA equivalent to them, and a short <laughs> explanation why. There's only four, so I think I think you'll be able to nail it, but. Uh, off the top of your head, you can go with it. I'm going to start with Jordan Speed. Um, let's go with uh, let's go with Steph Curry. I think um, you know both just um, so good at what they do, champions at what they do, and I don't know Jordan Spieth, but from people I know on the golf tour uh, who know him and, and cover him seems to be just the utmost gentleman I can tell he was raised the right way uh, treats everybody with kindness and respect so I'll go uh, I'll go with Curry for Jordan Speed. Yeah and, and under, underrated abilities I feel like they both don't get enough credit for their athleticism or their actual ability to you know be a professional at what they do I feel like Steph is known as this shooter despite being one of the best finishers in the NBA and Jordan is known as this great putter despite being one of the best ball strikers so we're one for one in agreement here that was who I had. Well and you know well. the other thing Shane with those two is that neither one of these physically imposing people yet they they excel at what they do and I think that's why people and fans relate to both of them because they're not these you know just Olympic type athletes who just overwhelm you with their physical presence and I think that's Again, it's part of the charm with the fans with those two. All right, number that two. was an easy one. So can we leave it at that? Yeah, you. I, I feel like you nailed it. I, I will cut out one. I'm just going to give you two more. I'll give you Rory McIlroy. Oh man. Um. I right, here, here. I'll give you my my thoughts of Rory McIlroy again. Um. A a just a great talent. 
I'm trying to think an NBA guy like like this who um, who has a really uh, good sense of humor and lets you see it once in a while with his dealings with the media and on TV, but still can be a little guarded. Don't, doesn't that doesn't that kind of scream Durant? I mean, I feel like they're very, I feel like they're both, you know, crazy athletically engineered for their sport and as you know the the Durant Bill Simmons thing over the last eight months has kind of showed a different side of him at least in my opinion where he's funny and you know he he messes with people on social media and all that stuff I just feel like I feel like that seems like that kind of matches up you know what I I I like that a lot because he is I've got to know uh Durant obviously covering him all these years um and he is uh he does have a, a, a fun personality that he is finally letting it show a little bit because he was kind of reserved, but still, you know, still because of the media coverage is so intense. There's a, there's, there tends to be a, um, there's still a caution there sometimes. So, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to let you, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go along with you on that one. All right. Last one. Here's my favorite one. I'm going to ask you, Phil Mickelson, who is the NBA equivalent right now to Phil Mickelson? Oh, I, w- I would have researched this. I needed time to go to, to go through this. <laughs> you're, you're just um, mad Tim Duncan retired. <laughs> yeah, you know that's that's a good one. Um, everybody loves him, you know. Like um, in terms of the fans, he's so good with the fans. So let me think. The the problem is is that there's not really you know there's not really that. 18-year-old veteran, I mean, Paul Pierce, you know, you're, you're trying to think of this guy that's been around for so long and is pretty lovable, and, you know, the NBA just doesn't give you those guys out there for 20 years or so. Yeah. Um, well, Dwayne Wade's been around a long time. He's always great with fans. The media loves him. His teammates love him. Um, I mean, he could be one. I know that's, that might not be the perfect fit. P- pl- plays um, all out. I like that. I actually, I- I'm kind of in on it. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, never let a ball go out of bounds. Marquette days through, and probably yeah, he's a, a Wade's a champion, not afraid to to, to take chances. And I'm getting, you know what? I, prior to the next time we talk, I'm going to come up with perfect ones I love because it. I I actually kind of like this. I'm just not any good at it. <laughs> you, you're going to get in on it. Well, uh, Mike, I appreciate the time. Uh, Sixers Wizards tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern, and then do you have a game over the weekend as well? Uh, yeah, I've got a game Friday. I have the Cavaliers and the Bucks in Milwaukee, and then I have Knicks and the Pistons Saturday. So, Jeez. full slate this week. Jeez, you don't get any rest. It's, it's going to get it's full slate coming That's, on after this. You get a, you do you, do you get one game a week? Do you normally get two games a week? Oh no, I'm because I still besides ESPN, I do uh, I do the Nick telecast on MSG. So I'm doing at least four games. You do four games. Goodness gracious! See, you're just you don't have t- you don't have time to tweet. You've got just time to broadcast. That's why the clubs are in the basement. Shane. That's what I was going to say. That's why you're not playing golf. Well, I appreciate the time. We'll catch up maybe around the finals as well if you've got some time. And hopefully, if you do any Suns game, we can tee it up. I'd love to. And uh, yeah, we definitely have to go out and play again after uh, trying to challenge Beth Page Black that time. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. See you, Shane. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole. It's in the hole. Many thanks to Mike. I know he's got a very, very busy, as you heard at the end, he has got a very busy schedule upcoming and, of course, a busy now five, six, seven months with the NBA getting going. So appreciate him taking some time to chat. Hopefully we can get him back sometime around NBA Finals just to chat a little bit about that, plus to see what golf course he has checked off the list over the last 
eh, four, five, six months when he gets there. Uh, so thanks to Mike. Thanks to you guys for listening. Thanks, of course, to Ogio, the leader in golf bags, the leader in backpacks, and the leader in travel bags out there. Ogio.com, O-G-I-O.com. I mentioned at the start of the show the mutant travel bag. I've had mine now for about three months, and I really love it. I mean, I wouldn't point you guys in the wrong direction. It is an unbelievable companion on the road, and I take my golf clubs a lot of places, and it's held up. That's a key part as well. It's durable. I've had golf bags that have ripped a couple of months into them. I've had travel bags that haven't been able to withstand the throwing around that happens around airports and airplanes. So check that mutant travel bag out at ogio.com, O-G-I-O.com. You can use the offer code THECLUBHOUSE, no spaces, and you'll save 20%. Boom, gone. Thanks for coming. That happens at ogio.com. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did, make sure you just leave a review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it. I'd appreciate it. And maybe if you did and you screen grab it and you message us on Twitter, I'll send you a koozie and I'll send you a sticker. That's just how we are. Also, I've said this for a few weeks and I'll continue to say it. If you donate at all to any relief efforts, to the fires or Puerto Rico or any of the hurricane situations in the United States, if you donate anything and you screen grab what you donated and you send it to the Clubhouse Pod on Twitter, I will immediately send you a koozie. Boom. Right off the bat, I'll send you a koozie that day. I won't even wait. So if you do that and you do donate to any of those things, just let me know and I'll send you a little something. It's not much, but it's something and it's really just a thanks from me for helping out on a cause that we could all help out a little bit more at. Hope you guys have a great week. I hope you guys get some golf in over the weekend. Also, I hope you guys check out that Utah-Arizona State game on Saturday on FS1 because somebody that you're listening to talk right now might be sideline reporting for the second time for FS1. So make sure you check that out on Saturday if you're watching college football. Have a great weekend. Get some golf in. Make some birdies.